Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we get ready for, uh, I think, one of my favorite podcasts that we uh, have, have done, and it's, it's grown in its own uh, legendary style. It's a, a podcast of hot takes. We are now uh, 10, uh, 10 to 15 games into the regular season, and so now it's time for the uh, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria, as people panic, as people uh, uh, freak out about uh, fantasy teams. Uh, do they draft well? Do they not? With the uh, early season results not being there, uh, fans getting nervous about the season already being doomed after 15 games or all of a sudden panic and fear setting in. So this is the season, uh, time of season for hot takes. And so we will give you our top 10 hot takes of the year uh, based upon what we've seen uh, to this point. So it should be a good one here as we uh, talk baseball. As always, our Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. I am munching on some popcorn as we speak and record this podcast in preparations for what should be a fantastic weekend at the wagon. This is the first official three-day weekend. We are back to the usual schedule. We will probably go to five-day weeks eventually here, but for now, this will be the first weekend. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 10 till 5.30, roughly. If the signs are out, we're there. So come to Rock Springs. We will be there. I expect a lot of business. We are pretty well stocked. We had a, we'll see what the numbers end up being, but we, we are pretty well stocked to what we usually have. So we should have the caramel, the cheese, the regular popcorn, the kettle, all there. Are there, are there any, uh, I should have asked this last week when we were talking about mm-hmm. this, but any major uh, changes for uh, this season at the wagon? We added a new popcorn. So we have caramel cheese corn overload which is originally, it's caramel corn, and then it's coated in cheese. So it is the best of both worlds. Why have one of each when you can have it all together? It's the old uh, Dion Sanders Pizza Hut commercials. What will it be, Dion 15, 20 million? Both. No, I, I don't, so there's there's an old school me, reference. So, oh, yeah, now make me old. Sure, I get that's geez. before me, man. I don't remember a lot of Dion. I mean, I do, but not a lot of commercials with Dion. It was him and Jerry Jones, the there old school, uh, with the, back when he signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Plug, what was a record plug in the next few days, we will do our annual first ever mock. We did our first ever podcast we did together, football mock draft. Catch that on the Heater Podcast feed. We will do that in the next couple days. So we have, uh, uh, in, the, in the pandemic fun of everything taking place, what launched it all was uh, getting a chance to talk. NFL draft is always a favorite time for us, yours for the uh, especially college football watching anyways and following that closely. And then for me, I've, I've always grown up, uh, the NFL draft was always a holiday to me. When it was all like on one day, I would sit there for the full eight hours and, and uh, on the couch, grab something to drink, and veg the entire day and watch the NFL draft. So always a good time uh, and look forward to, uh, uh, for a number of years, been doing a, a mock draft for the first round within it. So uh, we had some fun with it over the uh, we've had some good the, success, too. Yeah. It's been, we've had, we've had, I haven't checked the numbers from last year. 50% success rate. Uh, yeah. 
very at, least at the conservative level on that. We've been pretty pretty good with that. Now, now this one will be more interesting because you followed it more than I at this point. Because again, you follow more from the college perspectives. You're already familiar and versed with the uh, with the players themselves, and then with overall NFL knowledge, team needs. Uh, me being a Dolphins fan, pr- uh, predominantly within, and then following how that works or how it f- fits within other needs. I'm curious to see if guys fall that need to be there. But since they decided uh, to do the old uh, commercial, the Michael Jordan with the uh, blank them picks uh, and uh, not have uh, any uh, picks in the first two rounds. I've been uh, less interested in the NFL draft this year from a fan standpoint. So now I get to watch it just from the uh, the love of the draft and to see now how good my uh, prognosticating skills are. So I look forward to testing that theory uh, this year. So yeah, in a couple of days here, we'll have the uh, our mock draft, the, the first round, and get a chance to uh, get ready for that coming up by the end of this week. Uh one more side note before we really dive into things was I had my first opportunity benchmark uh, in the uh, the last couple of days here uh, post Easter to uh, make my way to Wrigley for the first time, uh, and I nice have and warm to say, in April. Oh, uh, <laughs> snow flurries on the Monday after Easter produce a blood curdling thought in the mind uh but it was still fun to go to, to Wrigley it was fun to see the the Rays there at Wrigley I got to shout baseball is fun to Brett Phillips and get acknowledged that way a fist bump with Jalen Beeks uh so had some good uh, interactions uh that way there's a good amount of actual Rays fans representing that first day you could hear a G-Man Choi chant on nice. TV nice. uh from that and if you uh, uh freeze frame uh, the second game, uh, you, where a fly ball gets hit, you can see uh, our mutual friend Austin uh, standing up uh, watching that happen and me just uh, sitting there chilling uh, uh, with it. So I uh, had some uh, good seats, eight, eight rows behind home plate uh, in the Ivy for game two, and the uh, legendary raucous crowd lived up to its uh, its reputation. Uh, but, again, no one really uh, has a massive hatred They're of the Rays. Like They're so. rude down there usually. I've, been, I've went to Brewers games in Chicago, and I've went to – I think it was an Astros game actually in Chicago too, and they're like a polite. They, they get raucous. They they enjoy the beer as as we do in Wisconsin here too. But it's if, not if like you don't irritating. It, yeah, if you don't try to provoke them, yeah. uh, you're fine. You choose to do that and that uh, that turf, and good luck to you. Uh, but yeah, it was a, a fun time getting a chance to see Wrigley, and I think the plan is to get to about four or five stadiums uh, this year and get back to enjoying uh, baseball in uh, in person. So looking forward. Uh, to that this year. But without further ado, uh, let's dive into the early season hot takes. Uh, what's the first one that you'd like to throw up there for us? Well, I think the team that has been the most surprising one to me is what's happened with the Colorado Rockies here? Because I, I think they're going to finish last. I st- They still very well could, but right now we're at eight and four here. And according to baseball reference, we're at 40% chance to make the playoffs. Now, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. I would highly doubt it. But 8-4 and four is a pretty good record. Did with, Chris Bryant know something that we didn't? He, he looks great. I think he's hitting – I can bring it up here. He's hitting 350, and he doesn't have a home run. CJ Crown is leading baseball in home runs, I think, with six right now. But hitting-wise, it's good. It's a lot of Chris Bryant and Connor Joe, but it's just – the pitching has been pretty good too. Chad Cool's got an 87 ERA. Uh, Antonio Sensatella, Herman Marquez, Daniel Bart, I think, has six saves, five saves, something like that. So what do we think? Kyle Freeland uh, signed a Freeland, contract extension contract, uh, yes. uh, here, five-year deal. Uh, and I'll I'll tie in my hot take along, or one of my hot takes along with that, that I have C.J. Crone leading at Major League Baseball in homers for the year. Uh, 
he if you go back and look at his numbers last year with Bennett, it was it was already very good. The the Coors effect was kind to him. He already was someone who had uh, massive power potential. If you would ask a, a number of years ago, would uh, CJ Crone lead the Major League Baseball in home runs? Uh, that was definitely a plausible situation. That that peak home run never quite hit. You know, around twenty five to thirty home runs has pretty much been his consistency uh, throughout. Uh, and I think he's going to another stratosphere this year. So if you uh, liked his Coors numbers, especially in, in fantasy, and you drafted him, most likely you drafted very well for a moderate price and going to get big-time production uh, out of that. So there's mine uh, to go with it. Do I do I see them making the playoffs? I, again, stranger things have happened. Uh, so we'll see how much how sustainable this is. We had this conversation last year at this point and midway through and continuing to the end of the year with the Seattle Mariners, uh, and they stayed with it. We also talked about about this time last year how great my Kansas City Royal prediction was looking, <laughs> so remember that exactly. too. We'll see what, what happens there. Let's go with uh, uh, my next one, and that's that the Cleveland Indians will finish in the top half in the American League in offense. Yeah, I have that one coming up too, or something similar to that. First off, Jose Ramirez is the most, I mean, we've talked about Jose Ramirez before on here, just the most ridiculous, underappreciated superstar that we have today. And, the, you know, we have some great players, don't get me wrong, but Jose Ramirez is every bit the hitter that like Mookie Betts is and Mike Trout, but just not getting appreciated. Cleveland leads baseball in, in runs scored, right? They, they look great. So we're talking about Colorado here, but I said too, what, what's happening with Cleveland's offense? Yeah, I don't think they're going to lead baseball and run scored. I don't think so, but they're looking pretty good right now. I figured that I uh, enough of a prediction to say top half, uh, which, again, if you were coming into the season, what did everyone think? If you were going to pick a bottom five offense in Major League Baseball, Cleveland would be a name, uh, and you, you would put to that. Uh, their offense was not expected to be uh, any good because you were still a you were still wondering were they going to trade Jose Ramirez and be the last uh, the only good piece left were they finally going to strip it everything down to the, the the bare bones beyond it they didn't they signed him to a massive contract extension he wanted to stay there they wanted to keep him there they found a price that was right in the in the middle of that uh, and then also locking up Emmanuel Clase uh, with. Uh, with that, so some good long-term contracts as far as here's the core of what the uh, the new team is. It's a little thin, but it's definitely very talented uh, in, in what they have. And now they are surprising you with, again, they've tried for years to get outfield bats. They've tried for years to get any sort of offense to stick. Is it finally getting sticky in Cleveland? It's kind of the the thing that the that the Royals were doing last year that had me excited, where it's a lot of, they don't have a whole lot of home run hitters. They have Fran Mel Reyes, and that's maybe, and Jose Ramirez, who he can do anything. But beyond that, you know, Stephen Kwan is this on-base machine. He's at 524 right now for an on-base percentage because he's walking. That's a rookie. Like, we didn't talk a lot about Stephen Kwan, but he's been great. Now, he actually cooled down a little bit in the last week. And Miles Straw, who they traded for from Houston last year. So when you have two guys who are getting on-base at over a 40% clip in front of Jose Ramirez and Fran Mel Reyes, like, it's working. Owen Miller was a big prospect last year, got called up, kind of struggled, but I think he just hit the COVID aisle, but 14 for 28 to start the year. Now, that's not going to last, right? Seven doubles ain't going to last, but can they be kind of a scrappy, fun offense to watch? I said, kind of like Kansas City. That's what that's what I think. And top half, yeah, I'll say that they probably will finish top half now. They they look better than I thought they would. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a nice to have more uh, competition, quality competition in the AL Central. 
Uh, and so that's that's an interesting one uh, to me uh, to see a team uh, for anyone that still wants. I mean, just watching baseball, whether it's you're a, a fan of the the Cleveland Guardians uh, or a, a, a fan of the opposing team that you're facing, you don't want boring baseball. And that offense has been the textbook definition of boring uh, uh, for a number of years here, outside of a couple of key stars. So if these younger players are coming up and, and creating a solid supporting cast that then allows your big hitters to to shine with. Uh, when you can't pitch around them, when you actually have to pitch to them because there's people on base, it makes them more deadly. So it helps everything uh, within it. So here's uh, here's to an exciting Cleveland offense uh, that was definitely not predicted at the beginning of the year. Oh, let's go to an individual player one, shall we? How about somebody that we're less than 10 days in or whatever, and I already feel like I should probably start eating some crow on. Uh, Justin Verlander looks like Justin Verlander from 2019 that I last saw in 2019, and that's three years ago, but we hadn't really seen a pitch since then, and I had doubts for a 39-year-old coming off of Tommy John, which I think I still feel validated in having some doubts, but Justin Verlander, I said, you know, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. I said that all along. Could he prove me wrong? Yeah, he could, and he looks pretty much like Justin Verlander, so we've seen, I've seen two starts, five innings, one earned, seven Ks, eight innings, no earned, eight Ks against the Angels, who I think are leading the American League West, and Seattle, who's really good too, uh, even though their offense has been struggling a little bit, but I think they'll be good. So, yeah, I'm ready to say it. Just, Justin Verlander is Justin Verlander from 2019, and he won a Cy Young Award from that year. So, do I think he's going to win the Cy Young? He's top five right now in my mind, I guess, in the American League. I'll give you, uh, if we're going on mea culpas, I'll get you to uh, uh, to my uh, uh one that I'll use for, for pitching in the, in the American League, and that's going to be, uh, I was wrong on Kevin Gaussman. Uh, I thought he would, uh, The it's hard going from the NL with no DH last year, not only to the AL, but to the uh, best offensive division in the AL. Uh, and uh, he was a uh, stat on Twitter today, like 32 swinging strikes to start the year, leading the league uh, in swing and miss uh and so I, my prediction is Kevin Gaussman wins the Cy Young, uh, so that which is a complete uh, a change from uh, what I said last week. So it's the season of hot takes. So let's go with it. But before I get your reaction to that, I'll give you mine to yours. Uh, Justin Verlander looks every bit vintage Verlander. Uh, in fact, that'll probably be the the season uh, theme for him. Is that we're looking at vintage Verlander uh, aging like fine wine, uh, can seemingly getting better with with age. Tommy John surgery did not uh, influence a thing. The quality of his stuff is there. Uh, one of the true workhorse arms that they're not going to be holding back uh, on him, as you see already eight innings pitched in, in a game here. When when most starting pitchers are struggling to go five or being let, let to go five, you have him going eight. Uh, and Gaussman did the same thing uh, today. We'll come back to that. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm buying... Uh, Verlander being vintage Verlander uh, in 2022. Yeah, the the innings were the thing that I never thought, you know, as I said, I think I actually lumped Justin Verlander in with Noah Syndergaard, maybe a, on a little higher level, but that I just didn't trust the innings. And I still have substantial doubts about Noah Syndergaard, even though he's looked pretty good so far, even though he's throwing like four miles an hour less, which is not great. And But Justin Verlander looks great. As for Kevin Gaussman, yeah, he's leading baseball and swinging strikes. I saw another great start today. Toronto is... I think early on, that whole division's really close, but I think they beat Boston today to take a little bit of a lead in the division. Toronto is going to be good. Gaussman, 
don't know if he's a favorite to win the Cy Young Award, but he's certainly on that list. He's on the short list, too, because he's going to get a lot of wins on that team, obviously. Uh, how about... Okay, so I sent you this one a few days ago, and then he got hurt, which sucked. But originally, I had this one being Andrew Heaney is this year's Robbie Ray, and he was looking awesome for the Dodgers as a guy who, much like Robbie Ray, had a problem with walks and home runs in his past, and... At this point, I should just not doubt the Dodgers, right? They tend to figure out something, and he came out and had a five-inning, stri- five 12-strikeout game where he didn't walk anybody. And I thought, I was ready to buy in. Then he hit the IL, and it sounds like it's fairly serious. So I'm going to skip that one, and I'm going to say it. Garrett Cole, broken or not. I know you've been a, you've been, I've been leading dangerous. that charge you early. Been. I, I'm not fully – I'm still not ready to buy in that he is completely washed here. I still think that Garrett Cole is very talented. I do think that he is a little bit in his own head right now, and that's it. That's what worries me more than anything. Like talent-wise, he he still throws at ninety-seven miles an hour. Like the velocity is still there. I still you can check the stuff. Like I know sticky stuff or whatever. Can he grip the ball? The spin rates are right back to where they were before that. So I have minutes. Like if you told me that Garrett Cole finished in the top five of the Cy Young Award, I'd still say, yeah, I'll take that. Like, I think he could still do that. Could he finish more like in the top 10? Yeah. I, I still think he's one of the 10 best pitchers in the American league. Here's, here's what I have. Uh, the, the hot take that I have w- with him on my list is Garrett Cole leads major league baseball and home runs given up. That's my hot take. Uh, and let's put some, uh, some context to it. Uh, it's only, it's three home runs and three starts. Uh-huh. Uh, but if he's he's durable, he's healthy. That's one of his his strong suits. If you're giving up a home run in every start. Uh, the home run uh, leader and the not a leader you category you want to be in. Uh, 38 home runs was the top last year. Uh, he was 29th in uh, Major League Baseball in most home runs given up last year. That's about uh, t- I want to say. 14 under 24 home runs last year that he gave up. If he averages one, one a game, uh, he's closer on that top five list uh, already. Uh, here's my concern with Garrett Cole. He has swing and miss stuff. That's that's no question. His, he's durable. That's no question. The sticky stuff that's going to matter with him is in walks given up. That's the other major concern. He's had seven walks given up in the first three games, and when you don't have pinpoint control in that stadium, in the Little League stadium for half your games, in the American League uh, uh, AL East offenses, you are going to get hit hard, uh, which is why the control issues are going to lead to home run issues. We've already seen it. I think it's going to get more because of the final factor. So control is one issue, and we're seeing it uh, creep up more. That is what you said at the beginning, his head. When there were already warning signs last year of him not being able to handle certain pressures of things or being able to roll with things within it. Again, when you get in the face of, uh, of Brett Gardner uh, within things, there, there's warning signs that are going off. When you are having a meltdown in the clubhouse because the game started five minutes late, there's a problem. Again, you're seeing issues with his uh, ability to handle or cope with things. And if it's at the little stuff, because you know, he was he was front and center as the, the poster child for the sticky stuff, right? And part of it was how he chose to answer the questions in the media uh, within it uh, and what he said and, and, and didn't say. Uh, 
you add, so then a teammate's just trying to poke a little fun at it, and you freak out that way when you're that uh, sensitive. You can't be sensitive in New York. You can't be sensitive in the Bronx and expect things to, to work out. Well, like, that market will eat you alive. It's done it to so many people. And if you don't have uh, the uh, ability to handle it, when, again, if you start giving up home runs the way you're doing, when it's not a fluke and you keep that going, when you're not producing lights-out stuff because you were paid $324 million to be the best pitcher on the planet, it's not good enough to be good or uh, slightly above average. Not in New York. He's still going to be a good pitcher. So even with what I'm saying, he's not falling off a cliff. But he has the potential to drop down to average to slightly above average when you can't get the walks and home runs and control in that market. And with the not being able to withstand the pressure and the issues that come from pitching in New York, we, Sonny Gray is an excellent pitcher. He crumbled to an ERA of over five in New York. It did not work there. Uh Garrett Cole has the potential to have the same level of um, of nuclear meltdown if he doesn't get this figured out, because this is going to snowball and snowball fast. And so, anyways, there's my Garrett Cole rant. But it's uh, leading the MLB in home runs given up. What say ye? I don't think he'll lead it in home runs, but home runs have always been it, the small chink in his extremely tight armor. Was always the home run, right? That's even the All Star second place Cy Young award seasons he had down in Houston, it was the home runs. The walks are new like that. Now we're only, it's extreme small sample size, right? Like he's usually roughly two walks per nine type of guy. Now, if you're at, what do you say? Seven and 11 innings. That's like five walks, five and a half walks per nine. That's, that's bad. Robbie Ray right there. Like that's bad. Robbie Ray from the years in the past. So I'm sure he'll, there's too much of a sample size there where I've seen Garrett Cole be good and roughly, even at his worst, 15% he gives up. I'm looking at Fangraphs now. Roughly a 15% home run to fly ball. It's at 24 right now. Like That's the unlucky Corbin Burns year when he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball three years ago. Like it, it Yes. Does does her, does pitching in the AL East hurt Robbie Ray? or hurt? Man, I'm getting confused here. Hurt Garrett Cole with Yankee Stadium being really small. Boston being not that deep, especially to the corners, you can hit it the out. Blue Jay offense. Blue Jays, yeah. And Baltimore is a small stadium too. Like small stadiums, good offenses will not help him. I still with, don't. With and, his specific problems, yes. I, just being very, uh, it's, it's an acute thing. And he still has his swing and miss is still there. His K per nine is still very, very good. Uh, and again, is he going to give up this many walks within it? No, he's not a, a five walk uh, guy. He hasn't lost everything. Uh, within it, but if he's hovering in that three to four range, that's going to produce problems because again, because of the offenses, because of the sh- uh, the short uh, parks, it's one thing to give up solo homers. It's another to give up when you have guys on base. And if you are consistently flirting with disaster, when you already have the home run bug, that's not a good combination. Let's keep it in New York and flip it to the National League. Uh, we're looking really wrong about the Mets here. Ooh, I just have, we look really wrong about the Mets here. Cause Give guess who's time. The, <laughs> so far, first team to 10 wins, right? First team to 10 wins. Lindor looks like Francisco Lindor, Cleveland days. Like he's maybe figured out the New York life a little bit. He's hitting 277. He already has three home runs, stole three bases. Uh, Bassett and Scherzer look great. Ba- uh, look like they're fitting in just fine pitching wise. 
I watched a game on Monday, I think it was, where Marte had a single, then stole second base, throwing error into center field, got to third, and then a wild pitch, and he scored. That's what they pay him for, right? Absolutely. You, you score on one hit. That's exactly what Starling Marte was paid to do there. Early on, like you just said, it's still early, but they look to be clicking a little bit better than we've seen in the past. And I would say, with that in mind, I've been impressed with some of their pitching too. Other than Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett, Tyler McGill's look good. Carrasco looks healthy. You know, does Jacob Degrom show up here at some point and really bring him home? Because if that happens, this seems—I said just last week—that this team is more likely to finish last than finish first. Well, the way they're playing now, they look like a team that's more likely to finish first. So you, the first thing to ascribe it to the early season success is the rotation. Uh, you have. Uh, Tyler McGill as the early season surprise. Right now we have to see how that develops. My fantasy team is banking on that developing well. Uh, but then the late season pickup, Chris Bassett. Uh, impressive. Carlos Carrasco, healthy. That was always the key there. Now all of a sudden you have five pitchers uh, that are pretty effective. Uh, and I think when when you're at, at that level, especially early on in the season when people are still trying to sort things out, if you have pitching going right away, especially starting pitching, that's putting you ahead of the game. They went out and their biggest weakness, leadoff hitter. Uh, they need someone who could, who could consistently make contact, put that together. Uh, Starling Marte has been everything they've wanted him to be. He's filled a hole that was one of the worst in baseball and turned it into one of the better ones in baseball. That's a massive shift that matters. Jeff McNeil, back to hitting the way he has uh, prior to last uh, last year's uh, uh, awful season. This was a guy that could could uh, contend for a batting crown. He has that type of consistent contact to him. He's hitting extremely well to start the game. Then you have Alonso. You have the others who can hit home runs. Uh, when you have Lindor uh, going back to more MVP candidate uh, from what he's has been uh, within it, that's is huge. Everything is firing on every cylinder that you'd want it to. Uh, everything's turning up Millhouse. Uh, it is uh, going very well uh, for the Mets right now. So my answer to that again is, just give it time. The it, when have we ever said it for the New York Mets that everything was clicking, everything was going their way, all of it went together? Am I still banking on that happening for 162 games? No, I am not. But I will happily put that on my blunder list uh, at the, at the end of the year uh, if that is what uh, takes place. If you're going to stick to the Mets being bad, which I think so, we got to talk about the fact that we both predicted the Phillies to finish first. I think, and right now. What's, that's going wrong the opposite way because right now they just went out to Colorado and got beat. And I said, now Colorado looks pretty good, but I expect Philadelphia to be racking up the runs here, and they're pretty much a league average offense. Uh, Schwarber's hitting 170. That's He'll get it around. He's had four home runs. Rice Harper's down at 220. You know, I, I don't have doubts about those guys getting it, but it's not encouraging that they've started this slow. And it's Zach Wheeler's not throwing very hard right now. He's got like a mid-90 ERA and – we heard that he had shoulder issues. I wasn't really concerned, but coming out throwing a lot less has definitely piqued my concern a little bit. Actually, I got offered, speaking of fantasy, I got offered a Zach Wheeler. I gave up Zach Wheeler and Marcella Zuna. And I would have got Dansby Swanson, who's frigidly cold, and Carlos Rodon, who's like uh-huh. the man here. So I've, I've been holding that one, but uh, I think I might take that. One more Zach Wheeler throwing 92 start, and that one starts looking way more appealing to me. Yeah, I'm uh, Phillies are another team that, that can resemble a hot mess uh, on, on many occasions. 
Am I banking that all of a sudden Wheeler's completely gone, that Bryce Harper can't find it at the plate and stuff? No. Uh, there's uh, the the challenge that you have at the beginning of the year, especially with the reduced spring training, is you have a lot of guys still treating the first two weeks of the season like it's the end of spring training. They're still ratcheting up. Uh, it is uh, uh, makes it even harder to truly identify what's... Uh, 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 true or false, and I think next week we'll add that to our uh, to our baseball list. We'll play a game of, of uh, uh, actually we'll call it deal or no deal, uh, and uh, we'll look at some of the issues that are facing the first few weeks of the year, and uh, and to see whether we're we're buying the uh, what's taking place. Well, I'll give you a preview of all these teams that I brought up here. I think this is the one I feel the most confident going to turn it around. I still feel very confident that the Phillies are a much better team than they've shown. And so that's a spoiler for next week here. If they were starting off at Cincinnati level, uh, <laughs> two and eleven, I would be more concerned. Five and eight, I, I'm just not that worried about a couple games under five hundred this early in the year. They're not starting out hot like the Mets, which is what makes it stand out a little bit more. Uh, but again, the the goal, and it's been said so many times, and so many baseball managers have repeated it. It's become my mantra for the beginning of the year. If you can get through April. With no major injury and a 500 record, you're everywhere that you need to be to get the season off. You have not dug yourself too deep of a hole. Uh, you don't have any, especially the major injuries. You're still healthy. You can trust guys all of a sudden uh, to do the, their average of, of where they're their mean of, of where they are. Phil, Philadelphia still seems to have that mean. There's no major injuries, with the exception of, like we said, there's concern with Zach Wheeler's sh- uh, shoulder. We need to see him continue to progress. So that concern doesn't become a full uh, five-alarm issue. Uh, let's see. Let's do. Yeah, let's do this one. Uh, I think you. Uh, I'm going to switch uh, from the NL East to the AL West. And my prediction is, our hot take is Anthony Rendon is the Angels' next albatross contract. He has one extra base hit in the first ten games, 200 average. Uh, the Angels find a way. Uh, they'll throw a lot of money at things and somehow end up with subpar results or worse things happening, uh, injuries, performance issues, all the above. They usually have at least one of these types of uh, massive contracts that are dead weight anchors on that team. Is Anthony Rendon the next Angels-Albatross contract? My, my concern with Anthony Rendon is I just don't know how healthy he is anymore. I... When he's played and he's been healthy, you know, he's 32 years old. That's not old enough. Like, it, you can't – there's plenty of great players at 32 years old, right? Nelson Cruz is amazing at 41. So, But it seems to happen to the hot corner guys. That's the scary true. part. When they hit, they hit That's hard, true. and it's usually around that age. And he's had – I don't even remember. It was like hip injuries, and I think it was a shoulder that set him down for a big chunk of last year. So there's some player like Mookie Betts, I'm a little worried about his hip right now. Mookie Betts has had a hip hip problem all year, and he doesn't look very good yet either. And so – but Anthony Rendon, do I think that he's going to go back to being the Nationals version of 28 home runs, 100 RBIs, 80 runs, 300 average Anthony Rendon? Probably not. He's probably not going to be that anymore for them. Could he still put up 20 homers and at a, like a 270-ish average yet this year? I think so. I think he's still got that in him. So is he probably overpaid at that point? Yeah, but... That's kind of the way that baseball's designed where the young guys don't get paid what they're worth. And then this, they get older, they get paid more. And so, yeah, he's probably not, that contract's not going to age well, no. 
is this year going to be where I say like Anthony Rendon's falling off a cliff and he's not going to help that team? No, but he's probably he's not as valuable as obviously Otani and Trout. He's probably not as valuable as Brandon Marsh. Looks awesome it, for them. It, it comes down to uh, how you want to define Albatross, right? And yeah. that's uh, like, uh, he's if he produces the numbers that you said, that's still a solid year for him. That's not a bad contract, eh? and you always overpay for free agents. It, and everyone always knows that it's the last couple of years of the deal usually does not age well. For what it's worth, but it's now that has my concern. I would think that. I'm not concerned this year yet. I don't have that concern yet, but I don't think his contract will ever be as bad as like, you know, the Albert Pujols contract by the end was awful. The Josh Hamilton contract was awful. And in their defense, I would have thought that Anthony Rendon is a player who would age. Like you said, third base is hard, but his swing, when when we saw prime Anthony Rendon, that's spraying line drives all over the place. That's Corey Seager. That's Freddie Freeman. So you'd think that would age a little better than Josh Hamilton had a huge uppercut, right? Like that was kind of the problem with him. And Albert Pujols, from the time he got there, his feet were falling apart on him. He's the one who kind of aged out with his plantar fasciitis. So, yeah, it might not look great. I think Anthony Rodone's still at least an average player, if not a little above average, at third base. Let's keep it with the Angels. I have one more for them, and that's with Shohei. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's that he re- – uh, and this isn't that much of a hot take, uh, but nonetheless, uh, again, let, let's let's look at numbers. Nine and two was his record as a pitcher last year, 130 innings, 3.18 ERA, 156 Ks, uh, and 130 innings pitched, worth 4.3 wins above replacement, 4.3 war. Uh, as a pitcher. As a pitcher. Yeah. Then on offense, 46 home runs, 100 RBI, 80 extra base hits, 26 stolen bases, 257 average, 372 on base percentage, 965 OPS. Worth 4.9 wins above replacement. That is a 9.2 war player. He shouldn't be able to do this. But the hot take is he repeats those numbers. And that should be, I think, we've become so conditioned to how good he is that we're treating this as if it's easy uh, easy to do. It's easy These to are under- historic numbers uh, and so to repeat it uh, puts him on a category that we've never seen. It's easy to underappreciate just how unbelievable he is because, like you said, you, you've seen it once, but it's literally like that's the only time we've seen this in 100 years, right? Like he is in a category by himself, uh, repeats it fully. You know, I don't, I'm not going to pick him to hit 45 home runs again, but could he hit? I'd pick him to hit 35. I'd say he'll hit 35. Could he hit 45 again? Sure. I'm not, but I'm not going to pick him to hit 45. Could he, do I think he's probably the most likely player because Tatis is hurt and Acuna is hurt to go like 30 homers, 20 steals. I'd have to think about it, but with Acuna hurt and Tatis hurt, he's as likely as anybody to do it. Right. Like, and he does strike out a little bit more than I like, but you know, I was picking a, like, that's one of the smallest nits to pick, but because his average is probably capped at like, what was it last year? You said two, th- 257? Like 257. I don't know if he ever He's not a 300 gets, hitter. I don't know if he ever gets, maybe he gets to 270. He's probably not much because he has such a, he hits so many fly balls because the way he swings, which is fine. It works because he has so much power, but. I just don't think he's under 250 either. No, I don't think he's, no, I don't think he's under 250. And like you mentioned, the speed is he's insanely fast. So offensively, he's one of the best, I don't know, 10 players in this game. And the fact that the thing that's underappreciated is if he focused on pitching, he's probably one of the best 10 pitchers in the game. Uh, per inning, he's 
he's in that same list, right? Like per inning, he's Carlos Rodon, he's Corbin Burns. He was unbelievable. Was it last night when they played it? And I watched. Usually, he's a big fastball and like a curveball that's okay and a decent-ish slider that he really can't command. Last night, the slider looked awesome. And I was like, wow, this is a different Shohei Otani. Like, this is not the one we're used to. And I think it was a 12 strikeouts and five innings. He was great. So, you know, if he focused on pitching, could he win a Cy Young Award? Yeah. If, if he focused on hitting, could he be the best hitter in the game? Yeah. So by himself, does he probably always deserve to score like an MVP award? Because you said nine more last year. Could he go out and put up a nine more season again? Yeah, sure, because he... He's literally two players in one. And so, yes, as far as do we appreciate Shohei Otani enough, we did last year. Will it be? Is it easy to say, look, what he did last year, well, what are you going to do from here now? If Vlad pulls out and hits a triple crown, could, could they say, you know, Shohei Otani, you don't get the MVP award? Yeah, but can Vlad pitch? No. So, like, it's it's always going to be hard to score him on just the fact that he is such a unicorn in baseball. And because of that, to me, that's what makes it easy. If I'm a, if I'm a, a person that is selecting... Uh, award winners. If I'm on the the group that's picking MVPs, he produces. A, to me, it's simple. You do this each year. I'm. Not, I don't care what anyone else is doing. I'm not even going to look at their stats. I don't care. No one does this. No one has ever done this. If you are putting up these numbers each year, you are the MVP. Period. It's an easy vote for me uh, to recognize greatness when it's there. Uh, and this is so unique. With no disrespect to Vlad or anyone else, no one is doing or has done. Even Babe Ruth himself has not done what Shohei has done. And that's just incredible to me that when you see him at the beginning of the year, he looks the same. Like, this is the level, and that is absolutely insane to me that this is his level of talent. It's not a peak year. This is his every year. That's insane. Now, again, health can be the the thing that finally ends it, and I think ultimately it will. It's kind of like watching Bo Jackson when he was healthy, that, he was just a marvel of an athlete. Everything he did was good. Everything he did was good. Uh, ultimately, his body uh, said, you, you can't do this level of competing without things breaking down. I think eventually that's what happens to Shohei. I can't see him doing that, but if you, I, I haven't watched him enough in person that when you finally see him, it's like, holy crap, this guy's big. He is built, mm-hmm. uh, he, broad-shouldered uh, w- with everything. He has a frame that can handle it. Uh, it, it is, uh, I guess it absolutely incredible to me what he is doing. Uh, and, uh, if I had to make a bet right now, who would I pick? Uh, who would I feel the most comfortable reaching 40 home runs this year is him. I just think that the power is there. I know Vlad is the easy choice for that. To me, it's, it's him. He's already at, at three home runs. There's nothing that much in, in 10 games, but again, take that, extrapolate that out 150 games. Uh, so take that uh, you're over, uh, you're over the 40 homer right there. Uh, I don't know if he ever goes on some major... T- I think that's kind of the crazy thing about it. I don't see him going on a major tear on anything. You watch like Sammy Sosa back uh, in the home run chase, 20 home runs in one month. You see some of these guys just go supernova. Kyle Schwarber does that, right? It, uh, Shohei, he's not supernova. He's consistent. But he's just consistently elite. Uh, and I, at the end of the season, it never looks like he's doing anything much. By the end of the year, the number's there. Uh, and I think that's what's going to be fascinating to watch this year. Uh, there's no player that I'm rooting more to see repeat uh, amazing numbers th- than watching him do it this year. My question with him is we're now a year and a half away from him being a free agent, and then just what does that number look like? Like, do That's the one that I always want to know is well, he's a free agent in 2024, and so where does he set the market at? 
he is the scariest person to target because of the very reason of what I said. All of a sudden, when that health goes, you're stuck. Uh, and, and it's not to say that he couldn't do it, but it's like, how do you, you've never seen it happen before, so how can you bank on it keep for it to keep happening? That's the hardest part of this. I, no one has done what he's done. Uh, to me, I would definitely go the Dodgers route. I would offer the most, uh, the record-breaking single-season contract or a three-year deal. I offer him $50 million a year. That's worth it. Three-year, $150 million deal. That's what I what I would offer within a full no-trade clause uh, uh, there with it. Three years, $150 million. That's what I would offer him uh, at this pace. Now, again, someone might offer him $400 million. How do you say, how do you say no to that? Uh, I, I get it. Uh but to me, the best best thing that I would do is someone like the Dodgers, you put $50 million bucks on him, and you give it to him for three years. If uh, uh, Make it a, a fourth-year player option if you want uh, to go there, but I wouldn't go more than four with him because I just don't see how someone can sustain this for so long. I think he's going to have a the one of the best peaks of any player of all time. Mm-hmm. The question is how long does it last? And we're already, we might probably already in that peak, but uh, let's talk some young guys here because my next one involves some young guys. And it's just that maybe these guys need more seasoning and we just rushed them up a little bit here. So we both picked Bobby Witt to win the rookie of the year and he's been batting third most of the time for Kansas City, but we're at five for 39 here with a couple doubles and a triple. So he's got three extra base hits out of his five hits, but that's a 128 average and he struck out 13 times to one walk. It's not good. Uh, Kansas City is not really going to compete this year, I don't think. So can they afford to leave him up here and learn on the fly? Yeah, I saw they dropped him down today in the lineup. We're just going to lump some of these guys together. Jared Kelnick, who we talked about last year, uh, he was every bit the prospect that Wander Franco was. Wander Franco looks great. Looks like he's going to compete for a batting title maybe as soon as this year. Jared Kelnick still looks kind of lost at the plate. And we're at, again, 6 for 36 here. He has a double. He does have a couple home runs and a couple steals. So... That skill set's maybe starting to show itself, but 167 with 14 strikeouts to four walks, that's not good. That's scary. It's a little worrisome now. I I truly won't be scared until the end of May. If he's still at these numbers at the end of May after last year's struggles, that's when you wonder uh, if the the contact rate is ever going to be what it is. Uh, and, And there's too big of a hole in that swing right now that has to get rectified if he wants to be uh, a solid regular major league player, let alone a star. Concerns about Bobby Witt? Too early. Uh, and also could be too high of expectations placed on him too early. Again, number three spot for a guy just coming out. That's That seems a little too much uh, to uh, to put on someone because uh, then your flaws become more obvious in key situations and that can mount pressure quick. Uh, it is still the hardest thing to do in, in uh, any sport anywhere to hit. Uh, and he is going to go through those those lumps. It is rare for someone to come in and not do that. Wander Franco at least had the same issue for about two to three weeks, uh, and then all of a sudden the light came on with that, and that is someone with an uh, otherworldly hand-to-ball contact skills. Uh, that's there. Juan Soto, same thing with that. There's, there's very few people uh, that have made it through without having uh, having to take their lumps before figuring it out. So we need more time with Witt. I have one more who I do think might be headed back to the minors just because I don't think he ever played above high A or maybe he got to double A. But Julio Rodriguez, the other Seattle superstar, he's off to a 
14, or no, excuse me, he is 6 for 39 to start the season. He does have four steals. I think StatCast had him as the 99th fastest percentile sprint speed in baseball. Wow. And he struck out 18 times to four walks. I've seen the stat, the the graphic that's going around that he's, umpires are kind of screwing him over. A lot of these, I think he's got called out 13 times on strikes and only like three of them were actually strikes. So send in the robot umps. But uh, he's the one that I think, I think that they're going to let Bobby Witt take his lumps at the big league level because I said Kansas City's not competing. I think you said if it's if it's the end of May and he's hitting in the Mendoza line area, maybe they send him back down, but they're going to give him some time. At this point, I think Kelnick is – he went back down for a while last year. He seemed like he was getting it back. The slow start's not encouraging, certainly not encouraging, but I think they're going to leave him up here just because Julio Rodriguez, I said, I think he went from double-A. I know he's never played a triple-A, but he has not had nearly as much time in the minors as these guys. If there is someone who even – at the end of April, so we'll give him another week or two, 10 days. If it's still struggling, you could see Julio Rodriguez get sent down. Obviously, Kyle Lewis is coming back soon, uh, so they have a person coming back to play for him. Torkelson has been cold, too. I think he's under the Mendoza line, but once again, I have very little cons- – Spencer Torkelson it just absolutely destroys the ball. I was watching, I've been watching some Tigers games to try and catch Miguel Cabrera's 3,000th hit, and Spencer Torkelson just hits line drive after line drive. So even though he's at 194, I think he's just locked into the Detroit lineup. Okay, sidebar on that one since you brought that uh, that one up. Is there a team that's more petty than the New York Yankees? Seriously? <laughs> oh, they walked. I, I didn't see the game, they but I heard they walked. They intentionally walked Cabrera. <laughs> and then uh, I think, uh, I don't know if it's tongue-in-cheek or not. I just only saw the, the clip of the quote. Uh, but uh, uh, Aaron Boone is saying, well, he's the reason why we lost the, the World Series in 2003 or whichever, one at 12 or whatever it was. So he said, so the, the, here you go. Yeah, that's pretty I hope, bad. I hope that's tongue in cheek. I truly that's do. I did not see the quote, so I don't want to comment on it that way. But if that is true, like you add that to the, I've never seen a team more petty. Uh, w- without the championships to go with it, it was a it was an attitude thing of the the Yankees and the uh, and the peak Jeter era. Mm-hmm. It was an attitude thing, and they could uh, put pressure on other people. They put pressure on umpires. Everything within it with their uh, complaining, but they had the championships to back it up. This team does not. This manager does not. Uh, and so it just, it's, uh, and, and just, you already have how be many better. moments at the beginning of the year to be, uh, to not be classy, uh, unclassy moments, uh, to broadcast the Aaron Judge stuff the way they did on opening day. That's a not a classy move. Walking Miguel Cabrera, and mind you, you put it in the other situation, uh, teams pitched to, uh, to Jeter, he got his 3,000 hit on a home run ball. Uh, with a, at, at some point, like repay the game that does so well for you too. It's got to go both ways, and I and I know it's the Yankees, and people are saying, "Well, it's the Yankees. You're always going to have it that way." Be a, a little better. Like there's there's already a, a long threshold for what people tolerate from the Yankees being the Yankees. Let's not go to the extremes on it. Uh, my uh, I'll go. With, I'll stick with some of the youngies, uh, young guys uh, to begin with. Guy, instead of not taking a step back or not taking the step forward, let's talk about someone who may be taking that step forward. I'm going to say Alex Verdugo uh, ends the year with 25 or more home runs. Yeah, he, he's kind of uh, Eric Hosmer like in that for a long time he hits the ball like just on the Line ground, drive, a lot, ground balls and on the lives or. Er, Line drives are like on the ground a lot. So, what I've seen, I think I've seen two Boston games this year, and he hit in that game. He hit two balls off the green monster, which means he's going the opposite field with some power, and he's already had three home runs this year. So, you said twenty, twenty five, twenty five. 
Ooh, that's a big jump. Mm-hmm. We saw 13 last year. Uh, I'll say 20. I think I'd take the under on 25. I, I think he gets to like 22-ish this year, but you know, could he get to 25? Yeah, and it's it's awesome to see him taking a step forward. We said, you know, Mookie Betts doesn't look great. Now, I'm not still, I'll take Mookie Betts a million times over Alex Verdugo, but Mookie Betts, I said, there's some concerns about that hip, and that Alex Verdugo return is looking a little better for the Red Sox all of a sudden. He was always going to be, he was solid. And so it was never, never a bad addition. Uh, Always going to be high on, on runs. A good guy more at the top of the, the order. It could be within it for just the, the gap power. Works well in that in that ballpark. But the thing that was always holding him back or has been holding him back has been the limited power. Uh-huh. If he's unlock un- unlocking that, not the type that's ever going to compete for a, a home run uh, a title, but if you can get to that 25-30 marker, he is a different player. Uh, and that becomes a more of a franchise piece versus someone that's just solid on the edge. Uh, and so he has a chance to change the trajectory of perception and value uh, this year, and I, and I think he does. So that'll be my my hot take for the uh, a player taking a step forward uh, to begin this year. How about a whole team taking a step forward mm-hmm. and one aspect of it? If I told you the top five teams in ERA right now, ready for this? Number one is the San Francisco Giants. All expected. Sure, absolutely. Number two, the Los Angeles Dodgers and their ridiculous payroll that has led to multiple Cy Young Award winners. Sure. Three, the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole sucks, but everybody else has been good. Jordan Luis Montgomery. Severino. Luis Severino looks good. Jordan Montgomery looks good. Uh, Jameson Tyone. Nestor Cortez looks like a small ace out there, so good for them. That, that's, not my, that's not my surprise. The Mets, four. Here we go. Number five, the Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore yes. Orioles. Now, are they winning? No, they're four and eight here. But Baltimore fans, we always sit here and kind of crap on your team because they're not very good at baseball. But they're playing pretty good. Now, it's not leading to wins, but I watched Baltimore beat the Brewers, and Baltimore, I think they took a series from the Yankees. At least they were competitive in every game. Like Baltimore looked, has been a thorn in the flesh for the Yankees. Yeah, they've been a competitive team so far. And pitching-wise, like, I don't know if it'll work out. Could it, maybe it doesn't last more than a month. I don't know. But if nothing else, it's been kind of fun watching Baltimore. And that's John means their ace is on the 60-day IL already, so that sucks. But that just shows they're getting production out of guys like Spencer Watkins has a 225 ERA. You they know? are tied with the Yankees for the least amount of runs given up that's in the awesome. American League. Like that's this The is problem is they've only scored 24 runs. And that's the problem, right? Like, you know, I said, they're still 4-8. and eight. They're not getting the production out of offense that we were hoped for. Odor has been terrible, what you expect. Ramon Urias has been terrible. Cedric Mullins has looked – I watched him in the Brewer series. He looked okay, but he's not getting a lot of hits in there. He's hitting like 200, which you hope he picks it up. So, yeah, is, are they going to win a lot of games? No, but it's encouraging, and we've said all along, like this isn't their year. Like their year is coming. Grayson Rodriguez is at AAA. I think he's got like 12 strikeouts to no walks in like six innings. That's your star coming? So – some encouraging news for Baltimore. This is the this is the Baltimore positive. If we're going back to years ago when we had Pittsburgh yeah. positives, when we think of uh, again, if, if you've been in the in the darkness uh, for so long, even a slight glimmer of light can be blinding. Uh, and so it's okay, Baltimore fans, if you're not recognizing this, uh, or if you're getting uh, extremely uh, psyched uh, by the uh, the start of what we've seen here. Again, any positive news is is welcomed within it. Uh, the positive of that offense is they're better than what they're playing. Uh, Tre- uh, Trey Mancini is still a solid bat. Uh, Mullins is still solid. Santander is solid. Like none of these guys are flashy or n- not necessarily even at all star level, but there's they're solid starters. 
So it's as you get your top prospect up, uh, and by that point, that's what this year is all about, right? Getting him up and and hopefully seeing him ready to uh, at least be solid uh, beginnings uh, as as a rookie. Uh, You're starting to see a foundation being laid. I think that's that's what you're really hoping for. And if you can get any of the pitching, remember John Means was a was a, an out of nowhere sensation. Uh, with it, if you can get a couple of guys to be near that level, uh, d- to develop a nucleus, that's what Baltimore needs to take the next step. Uh, and, and so it's uh, encouraging to see uh, their competitiveness out of the gate uh, for things that were taken uh, for granted as being bygone uh, or foregone conclusions of not happening. It has been a better than expected, even if the uh, wins and losses haven't been there. The competitive nature of that uh, has been a pleasant surprise uh, to begin the year. Can I piggyback on my own here? Yeah. So I have my prediction of the – I have three teams I predict to lose over 100 games here. And here's a hint. Baltimore is not on this list. So, Baltimore, I'm putting you out of the 100-loss column because here's my three teams that are based off of the first two weeks that I think are losing 100 games. Cincinnati looks absolutely awful. They look horrible. We said they were going to tear it down. Cincinnati looks terrible. Uh, I don't see – now, Luis Castillo, their ace, isn't there. But I don't think Luis Castillo is going to be there all year either. If, no. if they can help it, he's not there all year. Cincinnati is going to lose a lot of baseball games this year. My prediction is they lose over 100 of them. Uh, Arizona, Arizona's offense is absolutely abysmal. They – I believe they're sitting at 4-8. and eight. They might have been playing right as we speak here. Yes, they're up 4-3 to three right now in the eighth inning, but Washington has the bases loaded. So – Arizona is putting out a lineup that's got multiple players that should be at AAA in it. It's like Cattell Marte, Christian Walker, and that's all about it. Dalton Marshall, maybe, and a lot of guys. So I'll say Arizona because it doesn't help them that they play in the same division that has uh, yeah. the Dodgers, Padres, Giants, and even the Rockies look better yeah. than I thought. So like, I'll say that that Arizona loses 100 games. And here's the weird one because they just went out and dropped mm, 400 million dollars, 500 million dollars, and the Texas Rangers. Uh, we said. Texas's pitching is going to be a problem. And guess what? Texas's pitching is a big problem. It looks – now, John Gray got hurt. He's back already with his blister thing, but he's had blisters before. That's not encouraging. And the offense for Texas, they, Simeon started slow. Seager looks great. Seager looks – I think he's hitting 300. He looks just fine. But uh, Texas's pitching is abysmally awful. Like, it is horrendous right now. So, it's – John Gray has been okay, but – Dane, even his his ERA is seven. John Gray's ERA is seven. Dane Dunnings is five sixty eight. Martin Perez six seventy five. Taylor Hearn four seventy. They have multiple guys in their bullpen with double digit ERAs. That's not good. And I said, you know, am I going to knock them for going out and buying Corey Seager? No, he's make their team better. Like Marcus Simeon made their team better. He started slow, but I think he'll get it together. But we said all along, is this team really competing this year? No, I didn't think they were competing. But I didn't think they're going to be this bad. But they look awful on pitching. So I'll say they lose over a hundred games. I, I having a hard time uh, disagreeing with that because the pitching is always a concern and there's, they're so paper thin, even with what they have. So if guys get hurt, uh, they already don't, uh, they already have guys replacements that are at triple a caliber. Uh, you get the guys hurt and then it becomes that much more uh, within it. So yeah, that's, that's another one. Uh, Oakland, uh, is if you want to add a, a fourth team, I think this could be a year of really having haves and have-nots. Uh, and I think there's a fourth team with, with Oakland being there, very viable for being a 100-loss team. The, the fans already expect it because they ain't showing up. You're getting uh, about 3,700 in attendance, uh, and they don't even have the same uh, uh, 
uh, weather issues that you're getting in the Midwest or Northeast as far as uh, frozen tundra levels within it. So even with decent weather, no one's going. Uh, not that I blame them uh, with what's been done for that type of uh, rebuild uh, going on, but I think there's four teams that will very much vie for 100 lost seasons. I agree with the ones that you mentioned and adding Oakland to that list. My other hot take is the one that I th- I only have one team that I think is winning over 100 games, and it's the Dodgers. I The Mets will fall off. Across the board, they're good. And and they, it's, oh, it's so frustrating for a team that, yes, that everyone wants to say that they buy their players, they buy their championships. Okay, it's a valid criticism. Uh, they do go in and just spend big bucks on whoever they want. But they also nail the Andrew Heaney's. They, they, they add like Max Muncy, these guys that they've had Oakland. again and again. They add these guys that anyone else could have. They go and get them and turn them into all stars. Their player development, Gavin Lux, finally getting an opportunity, looks like one of the brightest like young stars, like across the board talent. And not a huge home run a guy within it, but across Doesn't the board, doubles, triples, contact, walks. It, he is uh, he's an f- exciting player to watch. They, they do this as good as anyone. Again, it goes back to the question, what would the Tampa Bay Rays look like if they had an, an uh, unlimited checkbook? It's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, it's like you said, people always want to say, you know, they buy everything. Anybody could have had Max Muncy. Justin Turner was an afterthought when he left the Mets. You know, uh, Cody Bellinger, they developed him, right? And he actually yeah. looks... I, he's coming after back After the around. bad spring training where I was about ready to write him yeah, off, same. he looks capable again now is he going to be you know is he better than Trey Turner is he better than Freddie Freeman no does he, he just to be? needs to be, no. just not look lost yeah, just, for that if, to be solid if you have an average offensive year out of Cody Bellinger with what else they're putting out there like great take it all day every day the pitching looks great Gonsolin looks like an absolute stud too like another one I think he has a point like a sub one year right now we're really early and so but that's not what you need like if that team, even though it might be the best division because San Diego looks pretty good and the Giants mm-hmm. are still really good, there's still a clear tier above They're a class else. above yeah. everyone. Uh, that That's just the, the stating the obvious uh, for all the different reasons that we mentioned. Um, how about uh, we, there's always a, a player later that turns into a, a different level, usually the the walk year, right? All of a sudden you get that, that career year, that peak year. Uh, Josh Bell. Uh, has looked excellent out of the gate uh, from uh, contact, power, uh, producing and uh, run scoring uh, situations. Uh, you know, they, they try to, they added Nelson Cruz. They try to add more offensive around, uh, around Soto and, and Bell has been everything that they've wanted to be to the start of the gate. I am saying that he will end up with better stats than Matt Olson. Ooh, How's Matt that Olson's for a hot off. take? That's a hot take. Yeah. Matt Olson's off to a good start too. I, you could go, you can go get uh, smaller, go for broke. So that we're we're gonna throw that one in there. Josh it. Bell, better stats than Matt Olson. I like Josh Bell. I've always kind of had a like think like Josh Bell. So I don't know if he'll beat Matt Olson. He, he very well could. Like we've seen Josh Bell put up a thirty-five home run or maybe even more than that season with Pittsburgh, which is a terrible hitting environment so you know we've seen him do it and we've seen him hit 270 plus like so he's hitting I think like mid threes right now I ain't gonna hit that but could he hit you know could Josh Bell go out and put up a 40 homer 280 season yeah that's Matt Olson like that's Pete Alonzo and he he, he could do that and in guess 2019 what? Okay. 277 average 367 on base percentage 936 OPS he had 37 home runs and 116 Man, RBI cool. that's pretty close I was pretty good mm-hmm. at so could he do that again? Yeah, and I think he's between Nelson Cruz and Juan Soto most nights now. Like, 
that's a good spot to be. You you want to be behind Juan Soto. There's He's a never lot had of that guys. lineup before. They've not, they haven't had that. Even the year they won the World Series, it wasn't because their lineup was any good. Like It was the fact that their pitching was so good. And so, you know, Josh Bell, I don't know. I'd still take Matt Olson. I'm not going to go out and say that. But as far as hot takes go, I mean, it's it's hot, but it's not. It's certainly plausible, too, because the Braves lineup's been kind of eh, eh, so far. So I, I like that one. That's I, that, that was a good one. I'll, uh, I'll end with an, uh, an oldie but a goodie. Uh, going uh, kind of capping off, there's Justin Verlander seeing uh, is it not hitting or not missing a beat uh, with coming back from injury. Uh, let's give it to another old guy. Now, Adam Wainwright will lead Major League Baseball with 20 wins. Uh, he's throwing 89 miles an hour for his fastball, age 41 season. Uh, but something a stat I heard he finally took a loss in one of his first three starts of the year. Thank goodness the Brewers finally beat him. <laughs> he had gone. He had not taken a loss. Since last July, all the guy does is win, uh, and uh, and also he pitches innings in an era where guys only go five innings. In the era of the bullpen, in two thousand and five, when he made his debut, fifty pitchers went over the two hundred innings pitched mark. In twenty nineteen, only nineteen did. Adam Wainwright with an eighty nine mile an hour fastball. Uh, there's an excellent article, by the way, and I think it's the New York Times uh, that talks about uh, in an age of throwers, look at the pitcher. Uh, it uh, highlights Adam Wainwright within. It's from last August, uh, but if you uh, Google it, you'll you'll find it. It's an excellent article that talks about again the art of pitching uh, and what Wainwright does. Is some of the stories that are out there are, are incredible. He had a saw an opposing scouting re- uh, report that said that his uh, uh, just hold off on the curveball because it starts in the strike zone and then goes off the strike zone. Upon seeing that, what does he do in his next start? Throws almost all curveballs, all hitting the strike, and strikes out a bunch of guys in the strike zone within it. That's the level that he is. That's kind of underappreciated uh, uh, for the, and we think of Verlander, we think of those guys. We don't always think of Adam Wainwright. Uh, so I think in his age 41 season, uh, and, and the winning that he has done, he's got one more in him. 20-win season. He hasn't done that since 2014 uh, for reaching that level, but he has in the past. And I think we'll see also vintage uh, Wainwright uh, in 2022. The Cardinals as a whole have looked. I've, I've seen that the, the Brewers took tied with the Brewers. So I've seen the Cardinals play f- at least five games this year. And Cardinals as a whole look pretty good again this year. It's kind of a team that Nolan now looks awesome. Uh, and so Paul Goldschmidt's cold now, but they all get that together. So could Adam Wainwright win 20 games with it? I agree with the fact that they will not. Here's the weird thing about pitching is the young guys, we save their innings. So when they get old, then it's just like, just burn all the innings out of them, right? Like we'll just burn. So unless you're Clayton Kershaw, who's shown arm prob- tro- troubles, like Charlie Morton's and Adam Wainwright's of the world, they don't care about their arms. So you want to go out and throw seven, eight innings? So if you got it in you, throw seven, eight innings, and that makes it more likely to get wins, right? So Adam Wainwright to win 20 games, you know, I put it like 30%. He could do that. Cardinals are going to win, I think they're seven and three. They're probably going to win 85 games. Could he win 20 of them? Yeah, probably. Well, there's our hot takes uh, for uh, uh, 2022. And mind you, come back to this list because it was last year that in our hot takes, we predicted that the uh, the Woodruff and Burns, uh, the law firm of Woodruff and Burns would uh, and Peralta 
uh, but we the first two anyways being the best duo in the NL and the Cy Young winner would be uh, Burns within and we've had a, a number of those predictions in our hot takes that did actually come true so it isn't just crazy uh, predictions there's plausibility in everything that we both talked about here uh, and uh, I would guarantee that when we look back at the season and some of the, the, the unexpected milestones you will find a couple of these from this list uh, that will be there uh, within it every now and then you know we kind of know what we're talking about but uh, uh, we'll uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens because we also can say that the Atlanta Braves not make the playoffs. So uh, there's a a, a yang for every yang, uh, and there's that there too. So we'll see which ones are our blunders and which ones are our masterpieces as the season goes on. Uh, with that, we will see you next week. We will talk about deal or no deal as we look at some of the top storylines of the beginning of the Major League Baseball season. Catch you later. Peace.